Welcome to Family History, Genealogy Made Easy. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. Today's episode is unlike any I've done on the podcast. Today, we're going to tackle some very difficult subject matter. You know, none of us have a perfect family tree. In fact, I would venture to guess that at some point, each of us who are delving into our family's past will come across some very sad and painful stories. An ancestor abandoned at an asylum, incarcerated for acts of violence, or perhaps who committed suicide. For Crystal Bell, my guest on today's show, that sad and painful story was very close to her branch of the tree. In fact, the troubles lay at her parents' door, and she bore the brunt of the chaos that was created. And yet there's a tremendous hope that comes from Crystal's story. She's a wonderful example of the freedom that can come from facing your fears and breaking down the mystery of a troubled past. It's what I call the redemptive gifts of family history. Crystal Bell is just beginning to get the answers to the questions of her childhood since that fateful day when her mother dropped her off on a street corner in town and said, Crystal, watch your sister. I'll be back in an hour. Crystal's here to tell her story in a very candid and honest way and shares what she's learned about how to locate a relative that simply disappeared. Many of us have posted our family trees online, and I know, Crystal, that you posted yours on Ancestry.com, where you just happened to work, and I thought, first you could tell us, what do you do there at Ancestry? Okay, I am um, I have been hired as a full-time, what they call, digital preservation specialist. Now, you have to understand, I'm 69 years old, so this I didn't even learn about computers till 1991, but what I do now, I've been trained to do, is to we scan ancient films. Right now, we've just finished up some old Chinese history, family histories from back in the 600s. We um, we scan old books, film of cards and uh, diaries from the Civil War, Revolutionary War, World War One, World War Two. And um, um, old uh, yearbooks. And my job right now is uh, I'm what they call the QE person. After everything has been scanned onto the computer, um, I'm the final person that it goes through before it goes online to make sure that all the images are clear and that they're in good shape so that people can read them. So you're doing that last quality check that happens before they, they come online. And how, how fascinating it must be. You're, you're one of the first people to see some of these old records that haven't been seen for so many years. It is, it's difficult not to get involved in reading them. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> well, I know that, um, you know, I was just intrigued when you emailed me and you told me your incredible story and how posting your family tree online helped you unlock some real family mysteries. So I was hoping um, that you could take us back to 1948 and that day that really changed your life and 
tell us about your background, and I know that eventually that's going to all merge merge together with the fact that you're working at Ancestry now, and and that you have your family tree online. So, tell us a, tell us what happened with you back in 1948. Well, I I believe that my mother was probably she had probably some kind of mental or emotional illness. In those days, they didn't treat those things. Right. Uh, postpartum depression, those kinds of things, um, just weren't known about. And um, we lived on the streets for about a year in Los Angeles, hiding and sleeping in park benches and in, in movie theaters um, to stay safe. But I think she just became overwhelmed and didn't know how to care for us. So she dropped us off in a neighborhood, um, a residential neighborhood, when I was five and my sister was three. And she said to me, Crystal, watch your sister. I'll be back in an hour. And I knew she wasn't coming back. She had left us before, but usually in hall, in places like something called the Sunshine Mission, which is right down in the middle of the worst part of Los Angeles, right next to the Union Rescue Mission. Mm. And um, we would sleep there on the floor or whatever. And she eventually would come back. But when she dropped us off on the street corner, I knew she wasn't going to come back. And we never saw her again. Um, We ended up spending our childhoods in the foster care system in California. And at that time, it was uh, very um, traumatic. They, They just, it was a whole different system, hopefully, than they have now. And so we moved around every six months because they didn't want you to get used to a family, uh-huh. and uh, each family we lived in, I just had to learn to sit back and observe because it, we were abused uh, sexually, physically, emotionally, verbally. We were always told, we don't need you, but you need us, so if you don't follow our rules and do what we say, we'll send you back to the system because people have to pay to take care of you, uh-huh. and so that's how we lived. Um, and I actually was the protector because I insisted, I always threatened people if they separated us. My little sister was just too fragile. And she even tells people now that if it weren't for me, she would not be alive today because she was um, not able to take care of herself. I happened to have a real mean streak in me. <laughs> and I was, really, I was I was just a mean little child. And I would threaten people, and then I would follow through. I would tell them, if you take my sister away from me, I'll, I'll run away. But I just had a very, I was blessed with a very strong survival instinct, which happened to pull us through. Uh, by rights, I've been told that I suffer from um, delayed post-traumatic stress syndrome. Or disorder, and yeah. every once, well, every once in a while, it would catch up with me, and I kind of have a meltdown. But we have two different aspects. My sister doesn't want to know anything about my mother. Doesn't want to know anything about my father because they were both very abusive. And she, um, even though she would like to hear about the ancestors I'm finding, she really doesn't. She's not interested. Uh-huh. Uh, but I have always had a really strong sense of. Uh, non-identity. I, you know, I just always wanted to know where I came from. And now that I'm as old as I am, I want to know more about my medical, you know, what kinds of things run in my family. But I also had a sincere and um, strong yearning to find out about my mother. Why did she leave us? 
Did she ever think about us? Did she ever wonder what we were going through and what was she going through? With so much that you were dealing with, I can imagine that that there's a, a natural instinct to want to understand why you're having to work so hard, fight so hard. Um, thank goodness that you had that survival streak in you. And I, I know you mentioned to me that your sister said it was like, you know, being dropped off on the street corner was being dropped off in hell. And and you were kind of her, her angel along the way. And yet um, that has got to be wearing and traumatic to have to keep that up as much as you did, and and it sounds like now that we're you know we're talking about it, you really were dealing with that even before you entered this the foster care system. Life wasn't simple before your mother dropped you off that day, was it? Oh no! Um, by the time I was two years old, actually, when my yeah, when this sister was born, my father and mother were still together. But the only thing I remember about life with them was the horrible fights they would get into because they were both really mean drunks and mm-hmm. they would play off of each other that way and I remember terrible even as far back as two years of age the horrible knockdown, drag out fights that they would get into and my father would tie my mother to a chair and singe the hairs on her legs with matches and oh. uh, just it was it, it was brutal uh, no matter how you looked at it and the therapist I've gone through two therapies and uh, the the one that I recently went to said that right now, because I found my mother, I kind of had a meltdown because she's dead. Right, you know? right. She died in 1988. She died under an assumed name. So I have to look. Her name was Pearl Gibson, her maiden name. Uh-huh. And I know that the person who sent this information out has to somehow be related to me because all of her information has been exactly in tune with mine. Uh, even I have a copy of my mother's birth certificate. All of the information she she put on the Internet it is my mother's information. Uh-huh. And let's talk about that because um, here you had, you, you had this traumatic childhood. It had to have left you scarred and, and um, struggling with so many questions, as you said. And... You, but you did have that burning desire to find out more, and eventually you did post what you knew of your family tree because you had bits and pieces. Yeah. And um, it sounded like what you said was that somebody saw the tree. Now, tell us what happened the day where you signed on to your Ancestry account and you saw that little shaking leaf there. Tell us about what the shaking leaf is and what that, how that changed things for you in your research. Yeah. Well, I had I've been I've worked for this company off and on since 2006, and because we work for the company, we get Ancestry.com free. Right. It's called the, the company is the Generations Network, and they're the parent company for Ancestry.com, FamilyTree.com, Genealogy.com, MyFamily.com, just a whole bunch of uh-huh. those sites. And so everything broke down one day of the the equipment that we needed to to do our jobs. And they told us we could get on the Internet or we could use our family, um, our ancestry, our tree, whatever, until they got things fixed. So I thought, you know, I haven't even gone into here yet. So let me go in and see how ancestry has changed since I first used it. Right. And it is, um, now they have what they call a shaking leaf. If you 
start typing in your family history, starting with your pedigree, with your name, your parents, if something is on the Internet somewhere that relates to that person that you're typing in or to the family line, a little shaky leaf comes up, and if you uh, hit on that shaky leaf, a box pops up that says you have so many hints on this line. These are kind of clues that Ancestry has linked up based on the data that you put in the family tree, and it says, you know, I think this might be a match. So it's it's a, it's yeah. a proactive step. You don't even have to necessarily go out and research. It's actually sending to you what it thinks maybe matches. Right. Isn't that right? That's right. And um, so I said, well, I'll quick, I was working on my father's line, and the Rockwitz name um, is very unusual. That's my maiden name. And every Rockwitz in the United States uh, that spells their name R-A-C-H-W-I-T-Z is related somehow. Wow. And most of them live in Michigan, in California, or Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I thought it was going to be about my father. And when I clicked on the box, the five entries were all about Pearl Gibson, which is my mother's maiden name. And I just was shocked. And so I thought, well, I'm going to pursue this. I've not been able to find her for 64 years, so I'm sure I'll hit a dead end. But the third the third box I clicked on, this is the person who had information that is exact correspondence with mine. She had my grandfather and grandmother on a, a family um, page, uh-huh. and, and all the children that are listed on that page are my aunts and uncles. And all of their dates of birth correspond with information that I've collected over the years that I've been able to kind of research. Uh, and my mother's maiden name, her birth date, her state, the state she was born in, I have a, a census that I've had for some time, it's from 1930, that has her and all of my aunts and uncles on it. So that's how I knew. So you had some was, good pieces of information that were enough to to help Ancestry kind of make up that match and send some of those hints to you as well. And didn't you also have some contact with your maternal grandmother kind of spotty over the years when you were young? Yes. Um, One year when my sister was about um, eight and I was ten, I think, uh, our grandmother located us at the foster home we were in, and she brought us a book of uh, photographs album and in it was all of our aunts and uncles and cousins and their families and uh, of course the cousins were all our ages at that time but um, it had all of my aunts and uncles and who they married it had pictures of them and so that was my first clue that must have been an incredible gift <laughs> to get, yeah. Um, yeah. considering how little contact you have with your family. And, and when we come back, I want to talk with you about how you were able to pursue those shaking leaves, those hints, and, and where you are now in your research. We'll, we'll be right back. Would you like to boost your genealogy research and break through those brick walls? Well, here's your answer. Become a Genealogy Gems Premium Member. 
you'll get two extra members-only episodes every month packed with great tips that you can use right away and instructional videos walking you through the best internet tools step-by-step. In the current series called Google, A Goldmine of Genealogy Gems, I'll show you how to get the most out of Google. If you enjoy the Genealogy Gems podcast, then you're going to love being a Genealogy Gems premium member. This is Tim Cox. I'm a premium member, and I have been for a while. just wanted to call and let you know that I really enjoyed being a premium member, and one of the perks I like about it is the videos. I learned how to build my own genealogy dashboard. The videos were called Google, a goldmine of genealogy gems, and because I made that dashboard, I'm able to monitor all the blogs and the websites that interest me, and I was able to create tabs So each tab has different topics and just go to each one I want. This is like the best thing since sliced bread. So Lisa, thank you for what you're doing and I really do enjoy your podcast. To become a premium member, go to my website at genealogygems.tv and click the join today button. And by entering the special coupon code SAVE20, that's S-A-V-E-2-0, you'll get 20% off the annual membership. Genealogy Gems Premium Membership. It's where you belong. Now let's head back to my conversation with Crystal Bell. Well, Crystal, you've shared with us the really traumatic background that you had growing up. And, and I'm guessing that there may be people who are listening to this episode who, who had some trauma in their childhood as well. Before we talk about some of the, the hints that you got from those shaking leaves on the family tree, I, I want to ask you this up front because it can be difficult sometimes to, to hear a story such as yours and, and they, that may be evoking uh, emotions and memories and other people who have also had real difficulties in their childhood. Have you found yeah. that any of this research that when you, when you did have the courage to go and, and try to find more about them, is there healing that comes with that? Does that give you any kind of serenity in, in terms of your own personal life? What is it meant to you to, to do some research and to actually get some answers? Well, because I had never been able to find anything about my mother uh, through all kinds of other um, sites that I had gone on the internet, you can go, you can Google names, yeah, and Google will produce families that are are searching for that name. Uh-huh. And so I had done that. I had done everything. I really didn't expect to find her in this lifetime. Yeah. So I just had, I guess, stuffed everything, right. thinking I didn't have to worry about it. And so the day I found her. And they have wonderful research people where I work, and they were all so excited that they just kind of took it and ran with it. I I really was in shock, so I wasn't ready to pursue it. But they took it and ran with it, and that's how the article in Ancestry Magazine came about, Uh because of the research they did. And um, it actually threw me into a deep depression for a while. I can imagine. Yeah, I just wasn't expecting to find her. And then all of a sudden when I did, all of this stuff from my past, my childhood, the abandonment, uh, wondering all those years where she was, apparently I'd been wondering for a long time and just hadn't had to worry about it. Yeah. And this all came out and I really had a meltdown. Mm. But 
now I'm I'm getting kind of through that. I I went to a therapist for a few weeks, and what they decided was that I all of a sudden am going through the grief that I never went through. Exactly. And so the grieving process had never really happened, and now I can't really have closure at this point um, because my mother's dead. Right. And yet, and so now my next step is to find out what name she was using when she died because she changed her whole identity at one point when someone who was a friend of the family found her in the 70s, and they, she said, if you tell my family where I am, I'll be gone. And she 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 did. She disappeared and changed her identity. Uh, she had another family. Uh, we don't know uh, what that family's name was, but we did run into somebody in Arizona one year, my sister did, and this girl was identical in looks to my sister and my other sister, the one my mother gave away. And she was so much like them in looks that my sister said, this is our sister. She called me in a panic. And so um, she determined that that was our our half-sister to the point where she even had the girl call her mother at that time uh-huh. and because the girl wanted to prove, no, she's not my, I'm, my mother doesn't have any more children. But it just so happened that when she called her mother, it was in Nebraska. And we knew that our mother hadn't left Nebraska. Oh, wow. And the woman on the other line told the girl, apparently, yes, we did have, a, you know, a, a family member named Pearl, but she uh, was, I don't know if she said she was institutionalized or she no longer um, was around and, and that, but that wasn't her. Uh, but I'm convinced it was her. Right, right. And I'm also fairly convinced that the person who put all this information out on the uh, on Ancestry that matches mine so correctly is probably that half-sister. Really? Now, what didn't you say that she was a little resistant to corresponding? Where is, well, what's the ha- status yeah. of that now? She still hasn't written back to me or anything. Uh, So one of the women who works in a department near mine is one of the main researchers at Ancestry, and she said, I'm going to do something for you. Um, You know, she did did all this free, but the last page of the article says, what next? And this is by my friend Marilyn, and she just listed five things that I can do to, to, to end my quest. Uh-huh. And, you know, one of them is to search for re- census records. Well, I've searched for those. And um, I have all of the ones from when my mother and her, her brothers and sisters were little. Then the second thing is to research an unusual coincidence. And my unusual coincidence that my mother and my mother's younger sister had the same death date. Oh. 8, eight June... 1988, and it was in the same state, Oregon. Uh-huh. So what I did was contact a person I've been in touch with, who's my, who is that that aunt of mine's grand the granddaughter, and she confirmed that yes, Aunt Lou did die on 8 June 1988 in Oregon. So there's probably a typo on my mother's record. Ah. Uh-huh. And so uh, next, Marilyn entered. 
just the date information and Social Security index, death index. And she only, you know, she only searched one perimeter. And she made her way out through all the entries listed, and she discovered um, that my aunt was that person who died that day. But now I'm looking to find the alias. And what she did, uh, what Marilyn did, was that she searched the SSDI using my mother's first name only and her birth date and date of, uh, and place where she was born. Yes. Looking for anybody, any other woman who had that name in her in her name who was born in Omaha, Nebraska, on that date. Huh. And we've come up with five names only. So at this so point, you're not completely sure when she did pass away, are you? Oh, she's, yeah, I'm, I'm sure she passed away. Right, but you don't have the exact um, death I, yeah, information. Yeah, I can't okay. my research until I get that information. Right. So I have to determine which of those five women is actually my mother. Right. And I'm, I know that one of them is. And because they died in, well, one died in California, and I'm thinking that that one is my mother. Because we lived in California growing up all of our lives. And that's where most of us migrated to, from Nebraska. Right. So I'm going to pursue that name and one, uh, one other of the five. And I'm, I'm sure that once I find that out, then what I have to do is to, uh, I have my mother's birth certificate. So I have to prove that I am the daughter of that person. It's not easy to do uh, yeah. in, in California or Nebraska. I had to, to send a copy of my um, my own birth certificate. I had to send a copy of my mother's birth or my mother's and my father's birth certificates when I sent for their birth certificates. Mm-hmm. I had to uh, send two forms of picture ID that were mine, and there were a couple other things I had to do. It was a, a it was a complicated process, but not so complicated if you have the information right at hand. Okay. Um, and I understand why they do it. There's too much fraud going on. Yeah, exactly. And then I just have to find a marriage or an obituary. That's the fourth thing. Uh-huh. And so if I determine which of those names is my mother, then I start searching. I'll start searching on Ancestry. And you can also, I think you can use Google a lot for things too. Yeah. Um, that if if the person I discovered turns out to be my mother, then the next step would be to find her her marriage record. Um, my home state, her home state, I already know. I just have to find the state of death and then uh, confirm that that person was actually born in Omaha, Nebraska on November 23rd, 1919. Uh-huh. And then uh, there are other ways I can do. I can. Uh, she says she conducted a search on my mother's possible married name and and the names are unique enough that only a handful of families on Ancestry.com are associated with it and they come from Michigan, Minnesota, California New Jersey, New York and, and later Texas I'm going to pursue the Michigan and the California ones first right Yeah. there's so much that you've already done and there's so much that you have yet to do what are you hoping to accomplish and, and what has it meant to you so far? There is a sense of closure when you've been abandoned 
and this goes also for adoptees. Um, one of the young men, and I'm, and I'm probably the oldest person at that company by about 30 years because uh, these, it's a young company, uh-huh. and these people all grew up with computers. But one of the young men that I work with, um, who's in his early 20s, he was so excited. And he said, do you think that would work with adoptions too? Because I've always felt a sense of not really belonging. Yeah. Because, and I love my parents. I love them very much, but I'd like to know who my birth parents were. Right. You can use the same process. Um, you can also use locator services. You can, if you have any, uh, one of the other people I know does know the, the name of her, her birth father who abandoned her, and so we're pursuing that too. Uh-huh. And, and finding everything we can on that name. And there's a lot of information out there on the internet, even if you're, if you're adopted and you want to find uh, information. And there's also a, a man that I know that I've worked with before who had a locator service. And I think he, op- I don't know, but I think he operates out of Los Angeles. And his name is Troy Dunn. He has the most successful locator service in the States. Wow. And he's been on Oprah. He's been on all kinds of other shows. They even made a television show about him. Oh, yes. Yes, I've seen that. Yes. Well, are you are you glad that you have pursued this and that you found what you have so far? Yes, I am. I just had to get over the trauma of realizing that I had stuffed so much grief. Yeah. And had not allowed it to come out. I've always been very, I have always had a very cautious shell around me. I don't trust people until I get to really know them. Uh-huh. I just sit and observe until I find out. And I have a, an unusual instinct for um, uh, assessing people. And oh, I imagine. So when somebody isn't telling the truth or somebody is, uh, if there's something wrong about a person or that, that they're not showing, I don't know why I feel that way, but every time it's been correct. Uh-huh. And um, so I have that that I have to break through, and it's starting to break down. I'm now starting to research those five names. And um, the people at Ancestry have been so good to me because I work there, but also um, they're willing to help anybody. Of course, yeah. you know, mine's free as opposed to people who'd have to pay. And there's a wonderful site on that uh, on that site. It's called mycanvas.com, where you can make you can make a book of uh-huh. your life. Uh-huh. And uh, so someone from that area started researching all of that. Well, through through what I found out about my mother, I also discovered my grandfather, who has been very mysterious, uh, my grandfather Gibson. But not only that, his parents and his parents' parents. Wow. So I've gone back two more, actually three more generations, and I have all of that that I still have to explore. Well, you know, Crystal, you you bring up a very interesting point. I'm sure for many, many years, it probably felt like um, your family tree started and ended with your your mother. I mean, that's where the challenges were. That's where the abandonment was. That's where kind of things stopped. But I imagine that as you learn more about her and therefore can kind of catapult further back, 
do, do you find, I mean, I, I have found this myself, you know, you're not defined by the, the one single parent or ancestor. You have this whole collection of people that came before them. Some made mistakes. Some were very upright people. And, you know, you have a larger pool of people to draw from to say, I am more than just my mother's daughter. I'm actually the result of many, many people that came before and some all who struggled and some who did very well. Do you do you feel that way about it at all as well? I do. I do. I actually since that moment, I have somehow been, I can't remember how, but her twin brother, my Uncle Paul, he died and she disappeared within about two years of each other. Mm. I have been in touch now with my Uncle Paul's oldest son, my cousin, and I discovered that Uncle Paul's first wife, my Aunt Eleanor, is still alive. She's 86. Oh. And she's suffering from dementia, but she remembers everything from back there. Sure. She just... She doesn't remember what happened yesterday or today, 10 minutes ago, but she talked. I talked to her on the phone, and she gave me a lot of information about aunts and uncles because she was my Aunt Lou's best friend, and my Aunt Lou was the one who died in Oregon in 1988. Right. In fact, she married my Aunt Lou's brother, my Uncle Paul, and my Aunt Lou married her cousin, my Uncle Raymond. So I'm getting a lot of information that way. And my and my only advice is that yeah, a lot of us had this kind of life growing up. I don't think I don't believe for a minute I'm the only one. Uh-huh. And um, I don't know. As I've gone through the years, I just have come to believe very strongly that hatred and resentment only make you look older. Yes. And they they have a great toll on your health. And as far as I'm concerned, I can't hate my mother or my father because I don't know what the circumstances were. Uh-huh. I can I can only try to determine uh, their ancestors. I want to know that abandonment thing doesn't go just with your mother or your father, but I want to know who were my ancestors. Uh-huh. Where did they come from? And I have discovered... Um, one line of ancestors on my uh, mother's side that have had books written about them. They came over and helped settle Connecticut. And so I have all of that to read and to research. And um, I I feel badly when people are like um, my sister who just don't want, they say they don't want to know. But I don't want to die with that sense of, abandonment. I want to move on. I want to get past the grief. I want to know who my people were. And I just, for the first time in my life, want to experience a sense of joy and happiness that I feel like I deserve. Yes. And you're not allowing that that um, difficulty that happened with your mother to prevent you from having all of the other ancestors and being able to say, I come from all of them. The yeah. ones who did amazing things, the ones who did everyday things, the ones who did things that were not so great, and yeah. that um, you're not just defined by this one person. It, I, I really feel like it's um, something that, that breaks you free and you realize, wow, you know, I would never want to let one person who harmed me prevent me from having all of these other wonderful people who worked so hard for so many centuries, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, I also feel like, although I don't know, 
if anyone responded to the story in Ancestry magazine. But if even one or two people out there who read that article can start to get past their grief and anger and resentment and start pursuing their life history, then it's worth it. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today, and I really consider it to be a brave thing to do, to come on and, and to share so openly. And I I absolutely believe that there are others who are listening who will be very touched by what you've shared with us, and I hope really encouraged to know that, like you say, there's goodness and there's joy to get, yeah. and, and that your family, his, family history offers all of it, and it kind of demystifies it all as well, doesn't it? The more you learn, the more it's not such a boogeyman in the closet or a mystery, but it, you can see the, the trends and what's happened and, and yeah. uh, hopefully gain some compassion, uh, well, as you say. I sounds, yeah, I know this sounds kind of new agey, but I truly believe that some of us were sent here into this life to break the chain. Yes. Of abuse that may have gone on for centuries before. And my daughter is my chain breaker. Uh-huh. She's raised, she's raised a wonderful family. I've always said that she's the kind of mother I wish I had been. And I'm the kind of grandmother I wish I had had. Yes. And I live with them now. So I've got to, I've been able to grow up with my grandchildren. And for me, that has been a joy and a blessing. Oh, Crystal, you have been a joy and a blessing to talk to today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for calling me. When I was growing up, Christmas was a time that my grandparents came to visit. My mom was always baking, and because I was the youngest, I would get to put the star on top of the tree. And now as a mom and a soon-to-be grandma, I love shopping for the perfect presents for my family. Online shopping makes that task so much easier because we literally have the world at our computer. This year, you can get your shopping done, have the gifts delivered to your door, and support this free genealogy podcast all at the same time. If you enjoy these free shows and you'd like to help me cover the costs of bringing them to you each week, there's a really easy way that you can do that that won't cost you a thing. Here's how it works. Let's say that you need to get something at Amazon.com, one of my favorite places to shop. Go to my website at genealogygems.tv and click the Amazon link or use the Amazon search box. And no matter what you buy, you financially support the show. The price you pay is exactly the same, but Genealogy Gems receives a small percentage for referring you. It's just that simple. And if you're going to be loading up your iPod or the iPod of someone you love this Christmas, just click any iTunes link on my website. And again, your purchases will help make this podcast possible at no additional charge to you. So if you enjoy the Genealogy Gems podcast and family history, genealogy made easy. Let your mouse do the shopping through the ads and links on the Genealogy Gems website at genealogygems.tv. And together, we'll keep new episodes coming for a long, long time. My sincere thanks to Crystal Bell for joining me on today's show. I hope that her story has 
touched you and given you a sense of what's possible in terms of family history. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. You'll find the show notes for this episode, which include all the links I've talked about at my website, genealogygems.com. And there you'll also discover a lot more tips and tools for finding your family history in my podcasts, the blog posts, books, and videos. Become a Genealogy Gems premium member, and you're also going to get access to exclusive content like my full-length video classes and the premium podcast episodes. We have a new one of those coming out every month. Now, if you have any questions about this episode, or if you'd like to share your experiences on how the podcast has impacted your own family history journey, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at genealogygemspodcast at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 925-272-4021 and we might just play it here on the show. Thanks so much for listening, friend. I'll talk to you soon.